A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different works, but the same God, who accomplishes all of them in everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, the Spirit gives wisdom in this discourse. To another, the power to express knowledge. Through the Spirit, one receives faith. By the same Spirit, another is given the gift of healing, and still another, miraculous powers. Prophecy is given to one, to another power to distinguish from one Spirit from another. One receives the gift of tongues, another that of interpreting the tongues. But it is one and the same Spirit who produces all these gifts, distributing them to each as he wills. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, for he has made his salvation known. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations, he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord all the lands. Break into song, sing praise. Dominus Fabiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteum, Gloria a ti, 
The disciples came up to Jesus with the question, who is of greatest importance in the kingdom of God? He called a little child over and stood him in their midst and said, I assure you, unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Whoever makes himself lowly, becoming like this child, is of greatest importance in that heavenly reign. Whoever welcomes one such child for my sake, welcomes me. Verbum Domini. RSV translation of today's passage says, and calling to him a child, put him in the midst, said, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In this question of who is the greatest, Jesus brings forth this child to show the qualities, the virtues we are to have. We're told that he called to himself this, he called, calling to him a child, symbolizes, that's what he does in the passage, symbolizes the divine initiative. We see in the call of Matthew, getting up from the customs post, or the other apostles dropping their fishing nets and following Jesus immediately at once. It's response to a call, it's not their own initiative. He calls us by his grace. And that answering the call requires a certain youthfulness, you know, it allows us to answer that call. You see that, you know, today, young people, you know, World Youth Day, I'm always reminded of that. They have this, this freedom, this natural idealism to give themselves to a cause. They're not beholding to anything. They don't have a lot of stuff. They have freedom to follow, freedom to answer Jesus, to let go of worldly things and our preferences to follow him. Mark's gospel uses the phrase, and they drop the nets at once, at once. And Jesus takes the child and puts him in the midst of them. The child, he's open to this, right? He's pliable, he's not fighting Jesus. He allows Jesus to move him, to place him wherever he wants. You know, Jesus, has us doing different things in life, leads us to different places, and surprising things he asks us to do. We are to have that same flexibility, pliability. Unless you turn and become like children. The verb here in the Greek for turn uses a passive voice. They didn't use the term of metanoia, this change, but this, as we would translate it to turn, and a passive to that unless you are turned, you could translate it that way, unless you are turned, that Jesus is doing the turning, that we need to turn away from ourselves and toward him, to allow him to turn us, to have docility, to follow him, to be a disciple. And maturing, it means to take up our cross, to surrender to him. And the child's very being signifies humility and receptivity for required for entry into the kingdom. 
to be humble. Jesus commands us to imitate that child, to be like children. You know, they, children you know, have received everything from their parents. They depend on their parents. They have this humility. You know, they don't trust themselves. They have this, some kind of awareness that they are, have all this inability, that they need help. We also see that to become like a child, the term, the word become, could be translated to be born. And I love that image, right? Because it's all by God's grace. It's his work in us. We see in the mystery, the incarnation, the word becoming flesh, that Jesus, the word, assumes human nature. And then that mystery is repeated in us through faith and baptism, that Jesus is to be born in us. That's what's happening when we are baptized. We receive sanctifying grace, original sins wiped away. We're given this life of God. So with the help of the church, through the church's preaching and call to faith, and the sacraments that are administered, you know, the help of Holy Mother Church, we're born of water and the Spirit, John chapter 2 speaks of. We're born from above, that we are to become sons in the Son, that we are, have this adopted sonship by God's grace, that we can now call God Father. We can pray to the Father in Jesus, in him, through him, with him. We enter into his prayer at the Mass. The Mass is first the prayer, the offering of Christ that we enter into. We become sons in the Son. John Sayward, the great theologian, he said, quoting from a poem, but also modified, he says, we poor, tired sons of Adam need to be made young again, to become children in order to enter the kingdom. But I love that phrase, we poor, tired sons of Adam need to be made young again. Sin ages us, selfishness ages us. We lose our freedom. We lose this ability to grab hold of our Father. We're concerned about ourselves. Again, Father John Sayward says, to be like a child is to have a mind and heart in touch with reality, unobstructed by the fantasies of the worldly wisdom. They are ready to receive the truth. His wonder is an amazement at what is there. The child children naturally have this wonder as we get older, we can live in the virtual world, or a world of our own concepts and making, live in a world of illusion. I remember hearing a, an African person that was living in the United States and saying, you know, the security of the West, that we somehow, through having you know, money and stuff, that we have this security, she, she said it was all an illusion. It just enabled us to live in this illusion how, of our true fragility, our health, what could happen to us, and, and our radical dependence on God for our existence. St. Therese, of course, doctor of the church, her doctrine was one of spiritual childhood. And she would say the spiritual childhood means recognizing your nothingness, expecting everything of the good God, just as a little child expects everything of his father. Again, the child recognizes 
how they're lacking these strengths and abilities. They run to their parents when they're scared. They trust them when they're near danger. They don't trust in themselves. She would say, my heaven is to remain forever in his presence, to call him my father and to be his child. In his divine arms, I do not fear the storm. Total, total abandonment, that alone is my law. Children witness this to us. It means recognizing your weakness, expecting everything of the good God, just as a child expects everything of his father. You know, simply put, we're, we radically, we're called to radically belong to him, to recognize that we don't exist without him, that we are creatures who have received everything from God. St. Thomas Aquinas said that the devil's chief weapon of attack is the abandonment of hope to despair, and that this is the gravest of sins. When we lose that hope, that trust in God, that he's giving us the means of salvation, that's what Satan's trying to get at. He's always trying to, to get us to trust in ourselves, to turn inward. That's what our culture is shouting at us all the time. Be independent, be strong, you know, stand on your own two feet. And certainly there's a sense of truth in that and just developing psychologically into an adult but we take it to radical extremes. You know, we, need, we need God. We need his grace. We need to trust, not in ourselves, but in God. So we see Satan tries to tear these teachings of trust, of surrender, of abandonment. In Revelation chapter 12, we see the dragon, the ancient serpent, appearing there. We have... The great sign, we're told, appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth and anguish for delivery. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, the great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems upon his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child that he might devour her child when she brought it forth. And we see this replayed in history that Satan makes war against children. Von Balthasar would write that everywhere outside of Christianity, the child is sacrificed. We see that in pagan ritualistic sacrifices of religions and things. Christianity has always, and Judaism has always fought against that. And modern secularism, you know, it's promotion of abortion. How can it not be an echo of this scene from Revelation 12? It's not even, it's, it's beyond reason. It's like it has this, uh, it's driven by something unholy, ungodly, the industry of it, the way it's spread across the world. Jesus Christ, you know, he comes as a child. The child is always God's gift. Through an immediate act of creation, God creates the soul at the moment of conception. He willed each one of us into existence. 
at the act of conception, he, God imparts the soul. He creates that. He wills, no matter what the circumstance, he wills each of us into existence. It's his work. And the child signifies the continuing gift of Jesus to the world. Mother Teresa would say that God hasn't given up on the world, the birth of every child. He's still bringing forth life. And the child is the icon of the Christ child. It's a model of Christian discipleship. It signifies the children of Mother Church, that gift of life. I was at a wedding recently, and it's just, it's just beautiful to see two young people come together and get married. You know, to want to start a family, to want to have children. There's life there. You know, God is for life. Satan wants to tear at that image of God in the world wherever he sees it. We are to imitate these qualities of being a child to have divine life in relation to Christ. He wants to give us a share in his life that we may flourish, that we may be holy, we may have peace and joy in this life. And it happens not through this self-assertion taught by the world, but through surrender and faith, conversion, discipleship, dependence. And we can all do that. That's the good news. I don't have to have the standards of the world meet those standards to be great. I'm called to have this faith, this surrender, this humility, and that I could be greatest in the kingdom of heaven.